She was in such a position, in such a place, that she could not get her mind around the plight of her daughter-in-law, what was going on in her daughter-in-law, and she threw her daughter-in-law back under the bus. Good evening, my name is John, and you're listening to A Word with God, and I'd encourage you to open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1. We're going to be going through verses 14 to 21 in this message, and we're going through Ruth's stem. Yes, we are. How are you doing tonight? I'm I'm doing very well, John, and 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 this is the night, this is the day yes. when when spring turned back into winter. Yeah, that's So weird. like now when you're listening to this, it's probably 20 degrees out and night, but it has snowed last night, it snowed today, it's cold, it's miserable, and it's got to be somebody's fault. See, it's funny because I I am actually okay with having 3 or 4 days of summer. Yeah. And then three or four days of winter. If that if okay. that's how it okay. worked, yeah, I'd be a okay with it. Okay, just yeah, me but, personally, I guess. Yeah, like I, I'd like I get more tired of winter right now, and I feel like Naomi. I feel like complaining. Well, that's and good. That's, what a nice segue into the into the message that we're having tonight. We're talking about Ruth and Naomi. That's right. That is a very that's a that was a good job. Thank you. <laughs> So now in this particular message, one of the things that we're talking about that you bring up, Stan, uh, are terms of what I'll call, I don't know any other way of saying it, stupid mistakes that Ruth makes, right? Or that Naomi makes. Yes. Right? This is about stupid mistakes, you know, in general. Yeah. And I guess the question is, and I don't, I know you as a pastor probably have never made any any mistakes that weren't very smart. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, was there any... Just don't talk to my wife. I mean, can, can you think of any, like, I don't know, like... I had down one that you mentioned even in here, like speeding uh, yeah, while you're newlyweds. Yeah, yeah that that was a, that was an expensive mistake. And, uh, and like I like I do you notice how I asked if there was any cops in the audience first yes. on that one? Yeah, because they they'll really ride you on that. But I I did some very stupid things. This could be almost called you know you know how Dave Letterman has stupid pet tricks. Yeah, this is stupid husband tricks. And and what happens is her husband just makes some moron moves in life. And mm-hmm. then his boys, you know, you look at what dad does and you look what the boys do, and it just seems to be this generational thing where the men in Naomi's life don't really do a great job of living for Yahweh. And that affects her. Absolutely. And it affects her personality, affects her outlook on life. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, and we get talking about this, it, it to me, the miracle of the story is that Ruth puts up with Naomi. Yeah. That is the miracle. Well, and, and you know, it, it's interesting because it brings up the other side too because Naomi had two, um, what do you call them? Uh, daughters-in-law. Yes. Right? Now, one of them stayed mm-hmm. in the country and yeah. said, I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. And then one went with her. 
Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because you, you start seeing sort of a contrast between the two. Yeah. And they both want it. They both, they start off wanting to go with her. And Naomi is so persistent. Finally, Orpah goes, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll stay. And, uh, and what really hits me is that Naomi is a Yahweh worshiper and these girls are Moabitesses. And, and so it's like she wants them to stay in the darkness. She doesn't even want them to come mm-hmm. and learn more about the, the God of Israel, you know, assuming that they've learned something already from their husbands, which I am not, like, given their background and what's gone on, you wonder how much did they really know. And, and, and that's just another thing to Ruth's account is that she says, like, your God is going to be my God. Right. I'm going down this path. And and so to me, she is just one sharp lady. Yeah, and you think about the obstacles that she had. I mean, even even her mother-in-law, you know, was kind of deterring her from all of this. Yeah. So it's interesting how that works. So now, as Israelites, okay, when they're looking at this book, mm-hmm. okay, and they're and they're understanding about Ruth and they're understanding about mm-hmm. Naomi, what would they have thought? about this whole scenario. They pro- I would think that they, you know, when they said, mm-hmm. and then they moved to this, to the, where the Moabites are. Yeah. They probably would have shook their heads and go, no, bad move. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. see what's going on here. And, and they'd already kind of gone through some judgment okay. because of their involvement with uh, Moab. And, uh, and it was a lesson that I think at that time was pretty uh, well learned. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet they got, and, and the, but to me, the, the mind bender, is that Ruth is married, like Boaz ends up marrying this girl, bringing her into the line of Jesus, like into right. David's line, into Jesus' line. And and how do you work that in your head? Don't marry these girls, stay away from these girls. He marries the girl, and God takes that and brokers, still brokers that into goodness. That's a great God, yeah. that's And that's what we talked about before, right? What others... You know, intend for, you know, wrongly, God is going to figure out how to use that. Well, let's get going into the message, and uh, then at the end we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap things up. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just pour out all where we've said a lot of things about you tonight. We've said a lot of things about your son, Jesus Christ. Up and we have opened our arms and we have embraced who he is. The Savior King, the one who has entered into a world that scorned him. The one whose own people turned their back on him. The crowds that he fed and the people that he healed that shouted, Hosanna, hollered, crucify him. It was all done for love. Father, that just speaks such volumes to who you are and who we are. These moments we're going to give to you, Father, as again we go to your word and we look at this amazing woman and, and the trials in her life and the choices she made. And Father, we make choices every day and sometimes. We make good choices. Sometimes sin drives us. Selfishness drives us. 
So would we learn things that would be useful to us? Would we learn things that will change our life? Would we learn the things that, that would bring us into your presence and, and that we would feel your presence every day and every moment and every hour? Amen. May the worship of your people be sweet as it comes into your nostrils. And would we honor you in all we do. I hope you have your Bibles this evening and that you're ready to turn into the book of Ruth. I just want to remind you, we do have our uh, Word with God daily devotionals. Um, messages from Evangel are on Faith FM. You can catch that on the internet. We're on Monday nights at 9 o'clock. And uh, also this, this morning, uh, we're working through Romans in the morning, and there are cards at the back there that kind of go through Romans and kind of spell it out and, and uh, walk you through. Uh, those passages, and uh, that may be helpful to you. So they're back there for you. Make sure you take uh, one of them as well. So I was telling you the story last night, but I didn't tell you the chickens were as tough as you could because we didn't grain feed them back up again. That was the part that I had missed as a young boy. And so, like, you'd bite into the chicken leg, it would snap back and, like, hurt your lips. Like, they were good for boiling. If you boiled them like 20 hours, you could make soup out of them, all right? But that was about the only value they had. Good decision, bad Yes, thank you, John. Um, bad decision. Um, I, I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you some stupid decisions that I've made. Kind of every night I'll fill you in on some more stupidity from my life, and I've got lots and reams and reams. I'm never going to run out. So, so imagine, okay, um, any police officers here? Okay, good. You've got your hands down. Um, okay. We're just married. I, we met at f- 16 and 15. I was 16. She was 15. And, uh, and like, she like, like, kind of like took me off my feet and, and we got married at, at, uh, 20 and 19. Um, we had no money. I mean, no money is like, we had like nothing. Um, so we're back from our honeymoon by about a week and a half. And, um, and back then, I had a very heavy foot. When we came up here, John said, you stayed the speed limit all the way up. He's like, I'm just really impressed. Like, pastors have a bad rap for having heavy foots, okay? But, but it was a lesson well learned. So I'm on my way to prayer meeting. Lori's staying home that night, and, uh, and I'm going to prayer meetings. We're married like June 10th, so this is probably like the first week of July sometime. And, and I'm late for, and back then I was a procrastinator. I am a little bit. I'm really almost cured. It's like, just about there. Um, uh, so I tried to make up time on the road. We lived in Jaffa and in Springfield is where we went to church then. And that's about, oh, I don't know, 20 kilometers, 25 kilometers. Um, the officer clocked me going outside of St. Thomas on Highway 45, and about kilometers later at Summer's Corners, he caught me. I was doing about 130. Back in real measurement, is is like about 130 mile an hour, and this light behind me, and I looked down. You ever drive, and you don't really know how, you just, you're, you're going there, your wife's smiling. I, maybe I should pick somebody else to tell this story to. Maybe you can commiserate with me, though. Maybe you understand this. You can understand this? Okay. I feel your pain. And you feel my pain, and, and I'm going, and, and so um, we get to this point in the, in the uh, exchange where he's like, what are you doing? 
And you know how dumb you feel telling an officer that you're speeding going to prayer meeting? Um, at me, you're going to prayer meeting and you're breaking the law. And, 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 and so, I, I mean, that was kind of a tough thing to... And he says, what's wrong? And, I'm, and I know we have no money. And I have a conversation to have with my new bride back at home. And, and we have nothing. And uh, now, where's a dispute? She thinks it was a $300 ticket, but I, I really remember money very well. And back then, and this, so this is 1978, it was 600 bucks. It was two tickets, actually. And, and I, you know what? I really never sped much after that. That was just really curious. That was a good decision, bad decision. Bad decision, it really was. And like I've got a file drawer more of bad decisions. So do not think that you're alone in the bad decisions. But bad decisions can lead to better choices. That decision, the first cardinal rule, did it violate God's word? Yes, it violated God's word. Was it going to impact other people around me? Yes, we we had more macaroni dinners that 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 time period than you can believe it. And, and it was even harder to make ends meet. Although our, I mean, our rent was ninety-five dollars a month. Something like that was like way back where, um, but it was hard on people around me. Spiritual influences, like all the cardinal rules we talked about last night, it, it, it just I just broke them. Crazy, not good. Well, we are in um, Ruth, and we're going to be in fourteen to twenty-two tonight. Here's last night. Let's just recap last night where we were. There's always stuff happening in our lives that will test your trust. There is. There's gonna, you're always going to be... It's your trust in God's provision and Yahweh's provision is always going to be put on the line. And, uh, and your love and, and, and the questioning, His love for us and His provision for us and His care for us. The second thing is there are many decisions that are clear cut. There in front of you, God does not want you to be unaware. He has given us His Word, the need to get His Word down into our heart and into our life so that as we make those decisions, we won't be violating God's Word. Uh, thirdly, if you are God's child, He will continue to bring pressure in your life. Pressure is not always a bad thing. God uses pressure to get us to our knees. God uses pressure in order to draw us in and bring us to a position. Remember, there was like five things that we learned from pressure in our life. Fourthly, whenever the fog lifts, whenever you become aware that you're on the wrong course, that's the time to repent and turn around. Do not put it off. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 until you get in a position of repentance and a change of direction. Fifthly, it's never too late to change course. The power of the Holy Spirit is pressing in on you, and if God's Spirit pressed in on you last night, the change can take place now. And finally, maybe you are a bitter, angry person. At least all of us, I think, have contact with bitter. My mom just moved into a condo, and, and it, it must be the lemon-sucking capital of Canada. The people in there don't smile. They're not happy. We went to the pool the other day, and there's a lady sitting there, and she's like, I, I can't even make the face. It was so, it's like, hi, how are you? All right. Did you have the party last night? 
over a nut side of the complex. Uh, no, no, no party. Um, you know, ha- having a good day. And you people that have parties, you just, like, she was just like in a tizzy. And they all are like that. They're just like sucking lemons at that place. You can choose your attitude. In fact, she just had an amazing study. James McDonald did. It's Ivan helped me change my attitude before it's too late. Awesome study. You get a chance to take that study. Uh, it's in my mom's condo probably next winter sometime again, I would think. So you get to meet my mom. And uh, she's an amazing woman. Hi, I'm Stan, your teacher at A Word With God. I hope you've been enjoying our series in the book of Romans. And if it's kind of piqued your interest about becoming a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just interested in checking out church another time, uh, we would invite you to join us at Evangel Community Church in Kitchener, Ontario. John, why don't you tell folks how to find us? Yeah, we're at uh, 112 Spadina Road West here in Kitchener. And we have two services on Sunday, one at 9 and one at 11.15. Love to see you come out for that. Tonight, when making decisions, trust in God's goodness. When making decisions, trust in God's goodness. Here are a number of things. First, right or wrong, difficult choices require spiritual eyes. Difficult choices require you to have on spiritual eyes, and that's in verses 14 to 50. And they, that's the three women, Oprah and Ruth, Oprah, Oprah, Ruth, and um, and Naomi, uh, lifted up their voices. They wept together. Remember, they're in a place they should never have been. These were complications that came about from a choice of sin and this heart-rending coming apart and going in two different directions. And uh, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, means to touch gently on the, on the cheek. She kissed her gently, and she says goodbye, and she leaves, and she chooses to return home to what she knows. And, and her choice is to marry and go on with life and back to Moab and back to her gods. But, here's a conjunction, Ruth clung to her. Means It's the same word we get, cleave, that a man is to leave his father and mother and to cleave to his wife. But Ruth clung to her and she said, Behold, look, dear. You know, that's a good translation. Your sister-in-law has gone back. She's relented. She's gone back to her people, to her gods, the god of Moloch, the god of Chemosh, the God of Baal, gods who required human sacrifice, gods who required child sacrifice, dark, dark place. And Naomi's heart was pressing Orpah back into that place. She was in such a position, in such a place, that she could not get her mind around the plight of her daughter-in-law what was going on in her daughter-in-law, and she threw her daughter-in-law back under the bus. Return after your sister-in-law. 
Naomi's spiritual condition, she couldn't see God at work. Do you find it hard to see God at work in your life? Are you in a place, do you know people who are so bitter and so consumed upon themselves, they cannot see God's hand even when it's right in front of them? She may have been to the point where she even doubted that Yahweh existed, that he was there in her life. Yahweh, are you really there? Do you really hear me? Do you really see? Do you really care? This young man asked me not too long ago, you know, I feel so much more at ease around my unsaved girlfriend than I do the Christians here at church. Ding! Warning light. Something's wrong. Something's going on there. You know how many men have told me that? You know, I just get along so much better with the guys. We talk about hockey. We talk about this. We lament Toronto's... Nah, I can't even lament Toronto anymore. But anyway, I mean, it's just like, it's like, it's, it's like, it's so much easier to be here than over here. What's your spiritual condition? Are you having difficulty seeing God at work in the midst of your decisions? Does God even enter into the decisions that you make? What you spend your money on? We're, in fact, we're going to talk about this in the morning in Romans. How many times we put our things before God's thing, and God is calling you to enter in. God is calling you to be a part of things. God's calling you to invest in kingdom things and kingdom principles, and we're so caught up in our own stuff and having our own privileged, self-satisfying life that we miss all these things that God has you there in that place, in this time, in the midst of your family, in the middle of your church, And just like Daniel where he said that Daniel was there, and just like Esther where she said, it's such a time as this that I am here in this place. And God has you called out to be there. And as a people, as a nation, as a church in North America, we're asleep at the switch and we're pleasuring ourselves and we couldn't give a rip about what God is doing. I don't mean to offend you, and I'm sure there are those here who love God with all of their heart. I am saying that in a church where we have a lot of younger people and a lot of middle-aged people like me, and I'm right there. It wasn't too long ago. I mean, I'd rather work extra hours and have a boat than work extra hours and help a missionary in Mexico. What has my heart? What has my mind? Where am I living from? So are you having difficulty seeing God at work? Are you at the place where you're even doubting the very existence of Yahweh God? Or practically doubting because he doesn't figure into the mix? Thirdly, are you so cold to the things of God that you actually think that the people around you who are without God would be better off than you are? Do you ever look at the people around you and wish you had their life? That's like a child of the king looking out at a pauper, pulling garbage from a garbage dump in order to live, going, I wish I could be like him. We are children of the high king of heaven. We live in privilege. Privilege of having God's word. Privilege of having God's love. Privilege of being in this kingdom, being saved, being changed, being glorified right in today. We have a great privilege in our life. We need a different set of lenses as we look at life. I went to the 
eye guy not too long. I haven't been to the eye guy for 10 years because I just keep buying a higher magnifying glass. I don't, I mean, that seems very simple to me. $2 and, and no, not two anymore. But it's like, it's 15 for three, okay? If you buy the cheap pack, and Ivan tells me you get them cheaper at, uh, at the um, dollar store or, or Bibles for Missions, <laughs> but you just kind of go through until you get one that kind of fits and goes. But anyway, um, I went in and he started playing around, and it's just like all of us, like, you know, I'm kind of this eye, I'm going like, <laughs> I don't know, some mouse walked across the bottom of your chart. Uh, and, and this eye here was, he says, you know, if it was all based on this eye, you wouldn't be driving home today. I'm going, oh, really? And he says, this one's really close to it. And he says, you probably should get some glasses so that it doesn't strain your eyes, and they maybe they'll last a little bit longer. Uh, another good decision. I haven't done it yet. Procrastination's creeping back in my life. You know what? Um, the Fisher Company spent a million dollars working on a pen that would write in outer space for NASA. And um, do you know what the Russians used? Pencil. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's right in front of our eyes. Sometimes the answer is right there. What's the answer to what you're going through tonight? What would God be saying to you? What's God touching your heart about? Well, difficult choices require spiritual eyes. Number two, following Yahweh should bring conviction. Following Yahweh should be, we should be people of conviction. But, verse 16, Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you, to abandon you, or to turn back, to turn away from this path that I've chosen, from following you for, because where you go, I mean, this is, how many weddings have you heard this? Like, I mean, this is like, like classic stuff. This is better than Shakespeare. For where you go, where you walk, I will go, I'll I'll walk. Where you lodge, where you put your head down at night to lodge is to put your head down. I will lodge, I'll lay my head down there. Your people, your nation, your kinsmen shall be my people. Your God, Elohim, will be my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. And thus may Yahweh, not Moloch, not Baal, not Kemosh. Thus may Yahweh do to me and worse if anything but death parts me, you from me. Verse 18. When she, that's Naomi, saw that she, Ruth, was determined, strong, courageous. We would call that conviction today. She said no more. We call this operating out of conviction, and it's a rare commodity in our country. It's a rare commodity in our seniors, though I've seen much of it. It's a rare commodity in my age group. I'm not, he keeps wanting me to be called a senior yet. I'm 55. I did take the 50 cent break at the pool for turning, but I mean, it's a, to be called a senior for 50 cent saving doesn't seem like a good trade to me. You know what I mean? But anyway, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's very rare in my age group. It's almost non-existent, although I am finding in the Bible college students of today a desire to get there, a desire to be there, a desire to live above the norm. 
to no longer be lukewarm, but to give everything that they have for Jesus. And we need to encourage that group. We need to encourage them with cards and letters, and we need to love on them, and we need to share our lives with them. And us old folks, I put myself in there with you, Ivan, we need to share the decisions and choices that we have made that have gone amok and have brought ruin into our life, and we need to be willing to say, you know what, guys? This is where that leads you. Well, thanks for joining us this evening. Next week, we're going to continue going through Ruth. And as always, remember, don't end your day without a word with God.